And we're now recording. Um, my name is Jamie Williams from Gerald Thomas, and today joining me on the podcast is uh, Tudor Barber, who's the owner and director of Street Food Warehouse. Uh, hello, Jim. How are we doing? Yeah, not too bad. Yourself? Yes, yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, do you want to introduce yourself to guests and uh, explain what you do? Yeah, yeah, of course. So I'm a director and owner of uh, Street Food Warehouse, as Jamie said. Um, we run a series of street food uh, festivals across the UK, along with providing uh, sort of consultancy and management services to third-party events and clients. So, um, yeah, but on the on the on the background of uh, street food, um, which may many of you may be familiar with now, um, it's kind of a bit of a phenomenon which kind of came back from people backpacking and travelling. Uh, in the Far East, uh, came back and it was a bit of a concept which was quite unique to the current dining situation in the UK. So people saw how uh, different cultures were eating on the streets in sort of India, Malaysia, um, places like that, and started to adopt those processes back at home. So for the last sort of 10, 11 years now, uh, sort of the street food scene has been ever growing and ever evolving. Um, it kind of, uh, the wave kind of came out of London through Bristol and into uh, South Wales. Uh, we did our first street food event in 2014. Um, and that's how we started Street Food Warehouse. The idea is, is a, a one-stop shop for street food. Um, uh, whether it's events, you can come and eat with us uh, or we can assist in providing street food to any given location. Then. And uh, give us a bit of, uh, give us an example of some of the events you've put on. Uh, I'm sure uh, most people have been, been to them. Yeah, yeah. So closest to you would be Swansea Street Food Festival. That would have been into its fourth year now, had it not been for the uh, COVID-19 crisis. But uh, yeah, very successful event uh, with Swansea. We normally have about twenty-four to 26,000 people there over the course of three days. Um, but over the last four or five years, we've now expanded to 12 events, uh, predominantly across Wales and the southwest. So we've got Pembrokeshire, um, uh, Dorset, Devon, Somerset, Cornwall, Sussex, Kent, um, so yeah, really, really stretching those out now. Um, yeah, some of those are into their sort of sixth year. Uh, some of those, yeah, are, are just starting out. So it's really snowballed uh, as we've grown over the last four years quite organically. Yeah, definitely. I've been to the last few Swansea ones. And uh, yeah, it's a bit gutted when this one was uh, obviously cancelled for obvious reasons. But uh, yeah, I suppose uh, it, the, the, the sort of uh, the, the growth of that, that industry, um, mm -hmm. what, what do you think, like you said, it's, it's come from... Uh, first of the Far East and then obviously through the bigger cities and it's filtered its way down to regional areas. Uh, mm -hmm. Where do you, why do you think people sort of, people love it, don't they? And um, yeah, just what, what, why do you think people love it so much as opposed to the traditional uh, seated restaurants? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, uh, our background was the, the music industry and uh, attracting people to events for the purposes of music. Um, but uh, we very, you know, couldn't understand the phrase of everybody's got to eat. So, um, you know, we don't need to be booking the right DJ on the right day and make sure people have got money in their back pocket to be able to attend. If we can put on an event where there's something for everyone, accommodating every dietary requirement, um, and can also make it free of charge to attend, why wouldn't you turn up? And if you don't like it, you can easily walk away. <laughs> Absolutely. And I suppose um, the, what, what I like about it is you've got all these different foods that you can try, mm -hmm. but it's not one kitchen that's trying to diversify and do lots of different things well it's focusing mm -hmm. on sort of one product and doing it really really well so you know when you go to a truck that they they are focusing on that particular type of food and then yeah. you know it's going to be good off the back of that 
Yeah, that's it. Um, each, every trader that we work with is an independent business. Some of our larger events will have anything up to sort of 32, 34 traders. Each one of those is a different company, which is run by different characters. And that can be quite uh, challenging in sometimes. But um, yeah, the, the understanding of doing one thing well um, is, uh, is really the mantra for a good quality street food product. Um, we ensure there's no competition between our street food traders as well. So if you're doing a certain cuisine, there will only be one of those cuisines at the event. So it gives a lot of option for the customers, non-competition between the traders. Um, but we like to be able to complement food. So you could have your main meal, could be a Mexican taco or a stone-baked uh, wood-fired pizza. Um, but then you could also be going to a, a topped Belgian fries trader and then finishing that off with a brownie or a donut from a local bakery so yeah we really like to kind of spread things over the biggest complaint we have is uh, why don't people do samples because they get too full on one item but uh, <laughs> i suppose that's the joy of sharing street food with each other yeah absolutely and uh, on a on an average weekend how many of those traders do you uh, do you end up eating from? well we call it the street food stone and i suppose one of the benefits of covid19 hitting us is that i haven't put that on just yet but uh, yeah we uh, we do end up eating a hell of a lot of street food i could i could go through eight eight portions of something a, a day very easily <laughs> so eight per day over, over the course of three days and over uh, course, try, try every every single one yeah that's right yeah you find yourself thinking oh, i couldn't eat another thing and then particularly when the traders are closing up for a day and they bringing over their leftover food all of a sudden you find you've just eaten another foot long slice of pizza or uh, another shish kebab and there was no need for it but you've done it anyway <laughs> uh, well you've got to enjoy it while you're there and they don't okay. uh, they, 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 they don't happen every, every single weekend yeah of course um, i suppose we're going to get on to talk a little bit about the impact of of uh covid19 the lockdown um mm -hmm. obviously lots of uh talk in the media about one of the hardest hit industries is the um the food, the hospitality industry. Um, yeah. What what impact so far have you seen on uh, on on the marketplace? Uh, well, I mean, it's it's absolutely colossal. Um, it's been decimated. I think um, the move by uh, or the announcement by the government to say um, to not they wouldn't be closing pubs and restaurants and bars, but strongly advising everybody against going anywhere near them. Near them was just suicide. That just threw the whole industry under a bus. Um, you know that that advice was extended for a week before then the uh, the actual lockdown came into effect on the 23rd of March. Um, you know like every business it's been affected i think there's only a very few businesses which have been affected by this um but then i think there's a lot of industries who feel they've been hit the first hit the hardest um but i do feel hospitality and leisure and tourism industries are all the ones who will be last to get back to normal and so whilst they may not have been hit the hardest initially they certainly the ramifications for that will continue for a long time so um yeah operating in 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 the hospitality industry from hosting events, but then also the leisure aspect, relying on disposable income for people to be able to, to attend our events and, and spend with us. Um, and also the tourism industry as well. The, the USP of our events is taking this urban street food concept and putting it to the British seaside and, and these local sort of resorts. Um, and that's what works really well for us. And if we can't travel, we don't have a, you know, there are limited locals, but people can't travel. We don't have a, a, a fan base and a customer base and, and you know, these events still aren't gonna go ahead. Yeah, and unfortunately as well, the timing of it, because uh, so it's often in May that the, uh, the Swansea Street Food Festival happens, and uh, around spring, uh, early summertime is when quite a lot of these uh, take place, isn't it? Exactly. I mean, we spend our uh, uh, autumn and winter months planning for the events. These events will take six to eight months to plan, um, liaising with councils, um, 
you know, every council is different. There's a variety of red tape, licenses, uh, uh, yeah, applications which need to go in, um, uh, consultancy periods, uh, advisory group meetings which need to be attended. So there's a hell of a lot of work which goes into it. And, and in fact, um, we had launched Swansea Street Food Festival the week before lockdown hit. So it was announced, can't wait for Swansea Street Food, and then bang, it, uh, it all happened. Yeah, and um, with the uh, with the lockdown situation and all the government support options have uh, been made available to businesses, uh, mm -hmm. how important have they been to uh, to your business? And uh, yeah. so if what would you know worst case scenario if these things weren't available, if these support options weren't available, the outcome would then. That's right. I mean, if these things hadn't been available, we wouldn't be have, we wouldn't be here now. We wouldn't be having this conversation. Is the is the stark reality of it? Um, from a, an economic support perspective, uh, the government have done well. Um, I think uh, immediately the announcement of the job retention scheme, um, we, it had to be had to be done. I mean, I even had to furlough myself um, for the initial two months um, because uh, there was no work. It stopped um, apart from. Uh, emails coming in asking if the events were going ahead and, and us saying that we're you know we've just gone into a sort of pause mode at the moment and we'll be back in touch when we can um so yeah from that aspect it was okay um we we had uh, i applied for a uh, corona uh, virus business interruption loan with uh, our bank um i'm still yet to receive a reply as to whether what happened to that application which was rather frustrating um the bounce back loans or rather the um the, the government the rateable grant uh, loans uh, from business rates. Um, we actually found out that our land, landlady had not registered our business premises as a commercial premises. Therefore, it didn't have a business rates reference number and we couldn't apply for the uh, for the rates relief grant, which was uh, rather frustrating. It has been now, I'm pleased to say. I've contacted the valuation office myself and, and put that in. Um, but yeah, we, we, were access, we had access to the Economic Resilience Fund um, instead, uh, and that had been received. Um, and we've also then taken a, a bounce back loan as well, which... Um, yeah, for the for the based on the quarter of the, the turnover of the business, I mean, we had to refund ten and a half thousand pounds worth of paid pitch fees um, last month uh, for for events that are no longer going ahead. So, had those funds not been available, we would certainly be struggling. Um, uh, yeah, and question whether we would would still be enough. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, from from our point of view, uh, seeing the range of different clients that we've got and the support options that they have taken. Yeah, without uh, this uh, stimulus from the, the government, then, uh, you know, a lot of businesses that we're talking to probably would have had to um, had to shut up shop and, and yeah. liquidate. And then that would have had further implications down the line then. So when things start, back, start opening back up, at mm -hmm. least now, even though it's sort of, um, it's an artificial propping up the economy, Mm -hmm. At least those businesses are still alive and they're still able to trade. So when uh, when everything starts to ease and uh, the economy gets back to normal, mm -hmm. uh, they'll still be there to, to get to get everything moving forward again. And mm -hmm. um, I suppose uh, shameless plug time is um, what, what uh, you know give us give us an idea of what, what you thought of how how we've sort of helped you uh, through through this. 
Yeah, so I've, we've been a, a client of Gerald Thomas now um, for about three years uh, with this business. Um, and yeah, the, the support from Gerald Thomas has been uh, been good. Um, we've been sort of very clear communication from the start. I think um, from a business, a small business owner perspective, and this, you know, we could never have planned for this. This all of a sudden happened and it was a complete rabbit in the headlights scenario. So uh, yeah, Gerald Thomas with the, the regular updates and um, the newsletters have been very clear and, and, and understanding um the fact that uh, you've been able to sit in and understand and process the information received by the government which isn't necessarily clear all the time um and kind of divulging that into clear sort of uh, messaging which has been sent to us has been great uh the handling of the the furlough scheme and, and that um has been uh, has been very smooth and swift as well so we we do feel looked after by joel thomas I appreciate that. Plug over now. <laughs> yeah, like you said, there uh, the um the information coming through from uh, from government. Um, you know, we, we get the information at the same time as everyone else does. Um, yeah. We then have to use our knowledge of the of the the, the background of the way tax and accountancy works mm -hmm. and how that's going to apply to businesses. I mean, um, in in certain circumstances, I've actually had messages, uh, texts, or, or emails from clients. So during the, the the talks that Rishi was giving, yeah, yeah, and, um, you know, about to say, look, you know, give me give me a couple of hours to dissect information. You know, he yeah, didn't. Yeah. I don't I don't have his number. He didn't call me before. Yeah, I, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I just text him now. Two seconds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, sort of moving away from the the support options. What I've seen and something which is a really really good thing to see um, across the board, not just in in this industry but in others is the uh the adaptability and the resilience of um of uk and and, and particular welsh businesses mm -hmm. and uh, i know we've spoken about some of the things that uh, that you guys have done to um sort of uh just pivot the the offering a little bit for enabling you to to sort of to do some form of trading as we as, as we're in lockdown and do you want to yeah. give, it, give a bit of background on what we've done there yeah, certainly. So um, obviously with the events uh, being off the cards uh, for the foreseeable, we're really hoping we can uh, still do a couple of events at the tail end of this year. Um, however, we've just had to really put emphasis on our sort of consultancy side of things. So uh, we've been in talks with a number of uh, different premises, um, in particular uh, a chain of shopping centres at the moment who are looking to convert their traditional food court offering into some sort of street food uh, outlet. I mean, during this, we've seen the fall of some major high street restaurant chains, and they could have been um, in the sort of figurehead uh, uh, restaurants in these air, in these food courts. Um, so we've been doing a lot more consultancy work with those type of clients to be able to look at bringing street food into those locations. So whilst we're not running events, and uh, you know what would have been hosting a now deemed a mass gathering, um, we are looking to work with. Uh, different uh, sites um, and look at how we can safely and responsibly bring people back in to these locations uh, in a distance manner and, and making sure it's safe for everybody to do so. So from our side of things, we've diversified our business that way. Um, but we've seen some really, really good diversification from the traders that we work with as well. So um, very quickly, I think the first out of the block to recognize that a delivery service or a sort of a click and collect kind of service uh, was was needed um, the guys who implemented that the quickest uh, seem to have been doing the, 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 the most well that makes sense um, the 
so yeah, they've um, you know when they've been traditionally doing a street food outfit, we've been talking about doing a, a click and collect service or delivery, obviously supported by the, the delivery apps like Deliveroo or Uber Eats, Just Eat, and the like. Um, we've seen a big rise in digital uh, involvement as well. So there's a lot of uh, e-commerce plugins to allow you to be able to adapt your website so customers can order directly from you, uh, because there are some very large uh, sort of fees associated with uh, with the delivery apps. Uh, Deliveroo will take the delivery charge and 30% of the meal value so okay. if you're putting on a £10 meal and the the actual um, the, the restaurant itself should be receiving a little under £5 of that £10 in some cases which is which is a hell of a lot um, so yeah the, the diversity of that has been has been quite interesting um, we've seen take-home kits you know uh, pizza traders providing a pizza dough tomato sauce and great mozzarella to do your own pizza at home um, or we've seen others who've done you know, dishes which have been pre-cooked and then for you to warm up in the microwave or, or in the oven then afterwards. So um, that has, uh, yeah, the traders who've done that, we've seen some really ingenuity from that. Um, and that's also been fueled by the, the Feed the NHS campaign as well. I'm not sure there's many traders who haven't pitched up in a NHS car park to be able to provide key workers uh, with, uh, with worthwhile sustenance whilst it's been needed. And uh, I think that's very admirable for all of those to have been involved in that. Yeah, definitely. I've seen uh, a number of the local um, restaurants, um, cafes near near where I live, mm -hmm. uh, doing things like you know uh, free meals for the NHS, uh, yeah. doing uh, free meals delivery service to you know vulnerable people on certain days of the week, mm -hmm. and that yeah, that's uh, certainly certainly very admirable. And um, when we so when we come back out to this. Um, I think people have seen the reaction from these small businesses mm -hmm. and um, hopefully they will reap, reap the rewards then because um, yeah. people will stay loyal to them. Yeah, completely, completely. And I think, I think even more could have been done from the larger chains, the larger brands. I think there's one thing offering a free refill or a go large on your coffee if you're an NHS worker from some of the bigger brands, but that doesn't cut it. As you said, if your local community cafe or restaurant is able to provide uh, you know, meals for those who need you in this time. As said, it should uh, you know it should pay dividends from a business perspective in the future. Yeah, definitely. And uh, the take-home kits, uh, I've I've um, I've had a few of them myself. And um, yeah, if uh, you know if anyone listening is going to get a pizza one, give you a mm. quick uh, word of warning: don't put the pizza dough directly on your wired rack in the oven. Yeah, because it will fall through. I can <laughs> only imagine what mess that's made. Yeah, I haven't actually taken up any of those uh, take-home kits apart from a do-it-yourself cocktail mix, which, as you can see, is a running theme from the <laughs> there. Um, but uh, yeah, we've. Um, our local pizza place uh, does absolutely incredible pizza. Um, you can't get a slot on a Friday or Saturday for the next few weeks, um, which has obviously changed from kind of phone up, I'll order a pizza, please. Yes, it'll be ready in half an hour or delivery. Uh, you're phoning up now and they're giving you a delivery slot. Okay, your pizza will be available at quarter to nine or whatever. Um, and they're being booked up now in, in two weeks, possibly three weeks in advance. So yeah, you can see the, the, the shift towards using these local businesses, which is, which is great. Yeah, and you touched on there is that um, they've, they've sort of changed their process there where as, as before, it may be, you know, you phone up and you say, oh, it might be half an hour, it might be an hour, and then you're, you're, not, you're not sure when it's going to turn up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, not just, just in the um, food industry, but in other industries, I've seen a lot of um, businesses now looking at processes and systems because mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people have had to, it's being forced on them the way they change the, the way mm -hmm. they work 
yeah. and that change has made them look at their systems and processes, make them slicker, mm-hmm. um, make them more efficient. And then ultimately, that means you're providing a better service for your customers across the board. Yeah, I think just using the example of the pizza takeaway there is, um, you know, it's uh, uncertain times for any small business owner if they're going to embark on even turning the oven on and, and making a batch of pizza dough. That's going to cost money, and in which case you need to know how you're going to get your return from that, even if it's on such a small scale. Um, you know what your overheads are going to be. Um, you know, you want to sort of fix those and understand where those are going to be. So if you know you're going to be able to do 100 pizzas for two night each night, then you'll do 100 pizzas, and and these will be your delivery times. And uh, so yeah, minimising wastage, uh, you know, giving an assessment on business like that, um, again, can only be only beneficial. Absolutely, and it's um, it's it's forcing more businesses as well, not forcing, but they, they, a lot again to understand their, their numbers are better. Mm-hmm. Because when you know that you can only make a certain amount, then it forces you to look at your margin because it mm-hmm. becomes very, very obvious then if your margin is too small. Yeah. And, um, and then that will, that, that, will, that will help them out in the future then, even when, uh, even when things start, start to ease. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we, we spoke briefly um, before this uh, because one of my mates has uh, set up uh, a uh, bakery business doing the old school flapjacks. A uh, bit of a plug for the whisk and dagger. If anyone wants to have a look at them on social media, I told him I'd have to do it. Um, and you gave me a bit of advice on what a uh, new business to the sector would need to uh, do to get get everything in place in order to be able to attend these uh, food festivals. If you want to mm-hmm. give us a bit of uh, information on that. Yeah, of course. I mean, um, you know, the first thing is to make sure you're fully compliant from a food hygiene uh, uh, perspective and then also from a a business insurance perspective. um, So you are uh, safely and legally able to trade. Um, And then, yeah, looking at outreach um, of, uh, you know, how how to get out into the... uh, into the event circuit and there's a variety of different channels um, I did mention the use of uh, NCAS the National Catering Association which um, we are uh, members of under the branch of a uh, Street Food Alliance members um, I would feel that would be an invaluable uh, step uh, towards anyone starting up with this um, it's a, uh, a nationwide trade association which has got about eight and a half thousand mobile traders on their books um, and they can provide the support uh, for start for businesses starting out so uh, from every aspect of uh, kind of the full spectrum of, of the business um, uh, they can assist you with and they're very helpful when it comes to support over the phone as well um, to have a, a you know a friendly voice on the other end of the line I think is invaluable for traders um, as to whether events will be going on now you know we're, we're hanging around with potential for the tail end of the summer i mean there's an opportunity to start looking at christmas markets maybe uh, but a lot of the bookings for some of the larger events certainly take place um, the year before the actual event so to get into the event side of things you certainly want to be reaching out to to people uh, autumn to winter time for, for 2021 trading um, and i think the industry is bolstering up wherever possible the confirmation of dates and bookings and uh, paying deposits to be able to ensure that there is a season next year and and they have the bookings that they need. From an event organisation perspective, we are trying our utmost. If an event has been postponed until 2021, we want to have that date penned in with the local authority to ensure that we are able to put that event on uh, in 2021 and giving the traders who have uh, applied to trade with us the uh, security of knowing that that event should should hopefully still take place. Yeah, that's that's cool. And um, you mentioned there then potentially looking at the tail end of this year for some events. Mm-hmm. Now I know that you can't give exact 
um, you can't give exact dates like like you haven't got a back channel to the government just like I haven't got it to the Treasury. Yeah. So um, I suppose the, the question on a lot of people's minds is how likely is it that we'll see festivals this year? Mm. Um, and the answer is I don't know. <laughs> With every intention and best wishes that uh, events will still go ahead this year. Um, we don't know. Um, we, we're still waiting for the, for the news from the government, um, just like everybody else's. Um, we uh, the, the, the kind of devolution with the Welsh government and that's being slightly behind the announcements of the English government. Um, I think there's obviously a cautious approach to it, but we've only seen articles in the papers over the last 24 hours. Um, you know, 50 of Wales' largest tourism attractions have penned a letter to, uh, to, the, to the Welsh government asking for a roadmap laying out how things will get better. Um, our events are in um, Ceredigion Council in Aberystwyth, Pembrokeshire Council with Milford Haven, Tenby, Swansea Council with uh, Swansea Street Food Festival and uh, you know, South and West Wales and, and tourism resorts uh, are, are screaming out for tourism to come back, trade to come back, um, you know, events to happen. Pembrokeshire's lost uh, the long course weekend, Ironman, pretty much every much county show which was scheduled to go ahead has been cancelled for this summer. Um, you know, Folly Farm talking about their plight of, uh, you know, how they're going to survive uh, this. It, it just seems, it seems crazy. So I think there does need to be some direction, um, which needs to happen and, and things to be clear. But uh, we're holding out just as everyone else is for, for Mark Drakeford's next announcement on the 18th of June. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, like any uh, business decision, it's the uncertainty which causes issues, isn't it? It's that uh, not knowing. So I know yeah. it, it is, I, you know, in, in a slight defence of, what they're what they're doing, trying to stay stay neutral. Um, it's because this is new. They they don't mm. know how the uh, infection rate's gonna gonna move and how the R rate's gonna move. Mm. So it's um, I, I can imagine it is very difficult to, to give an exact roadmap, but just an indication as to where they uh, where mm. they see things going and dates would be uh, absolutely you know um, priceless for the uh, for the, the yeah. Industry. It's, it's interesting because uh, running events on, on either side of the bridge, um, you know, speaking to other councils um, uh, in, in, in England, um, one of the councils I spoke to the other day said that their infection rate, their R rate has, uh, has increased almost back up to one again. So if there are lockdowns to take place, you know, there should be consideration for regional lockdowns rather than their sort of blanket lockdowns again, um, which... Uh, Again, figures announced today that's the biggest fall in the UK economy almost on record, um, you know, for the last quarter. Um, and, and that can't continue, but, you know, it's, we can't be playing, uh, playing with people's health and the health of the public. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I know we spoke about it, but we've spoken about this. Um, if, there is to be, uh, if there is to be festivals taking place uh, before some form of uh, cure or vaccine is available and... Um, social distancing has to be maintained um how different will the, those festivals look compared mm. to what we've been used to and what sort of measures will you be putting in place yeah i mean one of the uh, one of the joys of attending a, a food festival or, or an orange is a street food festival is the atmosphere the, the music playing the the wafts of food in the air and, and enjoying a nice cold pint with your friends in close quarters um you know how, how we we address each one of those issues in a, in a safe way is is has been a consideration for us since this all started. Um, there's a number of sort of implications that we would uh, put in place um, in order to how we feel would be to uh, sort of safely and responsibly uh, operate this event, which would uh, 
be looking at uh, sort of uh, containing the site as to a general festival entrance, kind of with uh, a festival um, operation with uh, one entrance or one exit, whereas prior to that, you've been able to, to enter our events completely of your own free will, walk in, walk out, um, and monitoring uh, the capacity of people in, on site at any one time, um, looking at possibly a one-way system, you know, everybody has to walk clockwise, clockwise around the site. Um, but even then, just as we've seen in supermarkets, people people don't stick to that. Um, you know, a lot of this comes down to, to people's common sense and and how it's self policed. You know, one of the one of the questions the council come back is come back with is you know, well, how are you going to monitor social distancing? Well, the same way as does monitor social distancing when we all stand two metres apart in the car park waiting to go in. It, it's it's self policing by people who've got a bit of common sense and and accept um, it's the responsibility of everyone to uh, to make sure we, we're okay from this. Um, but yeah, there's there's other sort of uh, uh, position, uh, procedures that we've been putting in place from uh, you know sanitation stations throughout the event on entrance and exit, um, increasing the number of personnel to make sure everything's cleaned, um, and obviously uh, strong use of uh, coronavirus killing antibacterial spray, um, which is uh, sort of a trade standard. Um, but it's making sure that uh, yeah measures like that are in place. Um, even with this, I, I rushed to buy a, a temperature gun um, from uh, Nisbet of all places, but uh, they were eighty quid each because you couldn't buy one underneath eighty quid on online without a three week uh, uh, charge. And even if we we're considering, you know, doing temperature readings of people's foreheads to make it safe for them to, to enter the event, um, you know, there's, there hasn't been a stone unturned, or you know, my head's been whirring lying in bed thinking about how we're going to address these uh, things. And, and there's been yeah, a number of solutions which we've come up with so I'm just hoping um, you know these things can still go ahead but without not at the detriment of why we all go there which is to, to socialize to eat good food and, and have a nice time yeah absolutely and uh, you know I'm, I'm certainly hoping myself that uh, something will uh, be able to, to take place this year but obviously yeah. with the with the precautions in place and obviously you, you've thought about this uh, deeply and uh, you know, I'm sure that when uh, when they do eventually happen, you'll have everything in place to make sure that people are, you know, staying safe. That's uh, that's going to be the foremost of our communication with this is, is that uh, you know, yes, the event is taking place, but these are the measures uh, that have been put in place to ensure it's uh, it's uh, safe and responsible for people to attend. Um, I don't think people have been scared off from this. Um, you know, we, we talk about the two meter rule. We talk about that being reduced. Um, you know, I'm not crossing the road to avoid someone, but, you know, we are giving people a wide berth on the pavement. But um, I don't think people have been scared into thinking that this is the way it's only ever going to be and we're not going to stand shoulder to shoulder to people ever again, because um, I, I don't feel that has been the case, in, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the um, the way that the, the way that sort of uh, people have reacted, um, it's sort of, it's becoming, it's, it's surprising how quick you adapt and things become normal. Uh, yes. Even when it's my my missus said to me the other day, she goes, I don't know why, but even when it's just me, even when it's me and you in the house, for some reason I still feel like I should. Uh, I think that's something about you, maybe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I need to, I think I need to sort myself out a bit if uh, my old missus doesn't want to stand. Sure, try taking a shower, mate. That might <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, on um, so I think we covered pretty much everything. This uh, you know, finishing on uh, you know. Uh, finishing on that uh, on that funny note uh, is there anything else that you think is is important for people to know uh, no, not really. I mean, the biggest question from a business perspective was, you know, will we actually survive this? Um, I think there is, you know, light at the end of, uh, you know, this long tunnel that everybody's been on. Um, 
and I just hope it's you know it's, it's looking at positivity um, and uh, and sort of further development for the future. And I think um, you know uh, there's a famous quote saying uh, a disaster should never be wasted, and uh, I really feel that is uh, that is, is still the case. And only from uh, from this can I become uh, opportunity um, and. It's, it's time to grab that opportunity and roll with it and, uh, and see where this goes. I hate the term new normal. I'm not prepared to accept a new normal. Um, let's just get back to normal in the safest way possible. Yeah, and uh, I, I, heard, uh, I heard a quote the other day, someone saying that uh, external event plus uh, reaction equals outcome. So mm. the external event you know, is, is outside of our control, but the reaction to it is entirely within our control. And that will have a massive influence on what the outcome is of that mm -hmm. uh, of that issue. Yeah, most definitely. All right. Yeah. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, no, it's Jamie. Thank you, guys. Thank anyone listen? Anyone listening? Uh, follow uh, Street Food Warehouse on all uh, social media platforms. There we go. <laughs> and um, yeah, uh, thanks for thanks for joining me. And uh, I'll uh, I'll see you later.